2: Every day
0: from the 12th floor, 50 pin place in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, the home of 1340, the game and news radio 1000 KTOK. Welcome to the Locked On Thunder podcast. I am your gracious and humble host, Eric G. Thanking you so much for making us a part of your day. And if you like listening to Locked On Thunder, which I hope you do, there's a great new way to listen. It's through an app called Himalaya. That's right. Himalaya, just like the mountain range, they curate playlists for you. They have all the podcasts in the Locked On Podcast Network available. Plus, there's also Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. But when you're in your car, just tell your smart device to play the Locked On Thunder Podcast. We've been off for a couple of days and we've got a lot to get to. Here in the next 20 minutes or so. First and foremost, I'll tell you about the health of Dennis Schroeder and whether or not he's going to play against the Memphis Grizzlies and why it's so important to have Dennis Schroeder out on the court, especially after what we saw Friday night against the Toronto Raptors. We'll also talk about the Thunder's brand new signing, a guy by the name of Jawan Evans, where even though the Thunder haven't sent out an official release, uh, Shamshirino is reporting that. We'll tell you what that does for the Oklahoma City Thunder and why I think it was kind of a shrewd business move by Billy Donovan to go ahead and grab this guy. We'll recap a little bit of what happened in Toronto, talk a little bit about the red flags and whether or not it was more the Thunder winning that game or whether or not it was the Raptors letting it get away. Plus, I was very impressed with the Raptors, and I do believe, and I'll get more into this, why I think they could go toe-to-toe with the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals. We'll talk about Billy Short and Bench coming up in about 10 minutes and what we can or what we should or shouldn't read into that. Plus, Billy made a pretty cool coaching move at the end of the game when Jeremy Grant fouled out. And that paid off dividends for the Thunder. Is this in fact their death lineup? We'll discuss that. Plus, Paul George talking to PG about, or excuse me, PG, talking to Kawhi Leonard about free agency. And what is the one piece of advice Paul George should be giving Kawhi Leonard? My name's Eric G. I work for 1340 The Game in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I also run a website called Thunder Maven. Check it out at basketballmaven.io slash Thunder. That's basketballmaven.io slash thunder. I've been doing this podcast now for about a year, and I thank you very much for listening. And remember, tell your smart device to play the Locked on Thunder podcast anytime you're in your car. Good news for tonight for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Dennis Schroeder will, in fact, be playing, or it looks like he's going to play tonight, which right now for the Thunder, he is your only consistent scorer coming off the bench he had to play starters minutes the other night against Toronto going 31 minutes. He scores 26 points. He is essential. If the Thunder are going to move on in the playoffs, they have to have Dennis Schroeder on the court as much as possible. Now, why do I say that? Well, one, because you can't trust anyone on this bench to score. And a Friday night against the Toronto Raptors, Schroeder was one of only two guys on the bench that played double-digit minutes. The other one was Markeith Morris. He only played 15. Nurlands Noel played nine. And Abdul Nader played five. And Billy Donovan just cannot rely on these guys to give you consistent offensive output whenever he puts them on the floor. So Schroeder has made himself very invaluable to the Thunders' playoff run, especially if Billy Donovan is only going to play anywhere from seven to nine players, then you've got to have Dennis Schroeder on the floor. You really don't have a choice. And it's a very scary moment there in the fourth quarter where when midway through the fourth quarter, Schroeder shot and Serge Ibaka looked like he invaded the landing space for Dennis Schroeder and Schroeder came down on his ankle and wobbled a little bit, but the guy played the rest of the game. So, if he was hurting, you didn't notice it during the game at all and was really only a concern after the game. But he's going to lace him up. He's going to try and go tonight. I think you do have to be careful with him. If it's not working, then this, yeah, this does open up an opportunity for you to put Hamadou Diallo on the floor, see what this guy can give you, if anything for the playoffs, and always, I'll never I'll never bitch about Raymond Felton getting an opportunity to play just because of how steady he can keep this offense. Thunder also signing a guy by the name of Jawan Evans. Here's why you need to remember this name. First and foremost, he's not going to play a whole lot of minutes for Oklahoma City, if any at all, since he's been signing. In fact, I would think he's probably being signed for the Blues playoff run. But the reason it's so important that Oklahoma City signed him is because he's somebody that the Houston Rockets coveted. And if you were looking at him and the Rockets were looking at him, and look, this guy, you can look up his stats. There are barely any stats to look at in his two years in the NBA. He was on a two-way contract with the Phoenix Suns. They decided to waive him. But if you can keep somebody from landing in a possible spot that can help one of your rivals, I'm all for that. As long as they benefit you. I think you got to be careful with that sometimes. Just claiming a guy off waivers to claim him to keep them out of somebody else's hands when truly they don't do you any benefit whatsoever. But I've never known Sam Presty to make utterly stupid moves like that. Moves I've disagreed with, yes. But just out and out. Dumb moves, no. And I don't think he would make a move to be vindictive. I will tell you. Um, The Thunder snapping their four-game losing streak with this 116-109 win over the Toronto Raptors. I honestly thought Toronto dictated the way that this game was played. And for as great a win as it was for Oklahoma City, where you saw the Thunder be able to take advantage of Toronto and go on runs was really when the Raptors got lazy and decided that they weren't going to defend the paint and make life miserable for any Thunder player anytime he tried to take it to the hoop. In fact, in the first half—I know I say those words a lot—in um, the first half, you could count three significant blocks that Toronto made. There was one on Dennis Schroder, there was one on Jeremy Grant in the first quarter, and then there was one on Markeith Morris in the second quarter, where every time these guys went up, they were getting blocked. And then the ball was going the other way for either a Toronto score or at least getting them an opportunity to pass the ball around and just keep it out of the Thunder's hands. The Thunder were forced to settle for a lot of jump shots in this game. And they shot 43 times from beyond the arc. The Thunder should never shoot that much from beyond the arc considering they're not that great of a three-point shooting team. But Toronto does a great job of making sure you get spaced out. The other thing that the Raptors do an excellent job of is passing the ball, finding the open man, and making you work very hard on defense to either chase your man or help off your man and leaving a guy like Danny Green open, which burned the thunder more than a couple of times in that game. Um, If you're going to ask me where I thought this game was won for Oklahoma City, and again, I'm going back to the mistakes more that the Raptors made than anything just great the Oklahoma City Thunder did in this particular matchup. Where I thought this game was won was late in the game. And I want to say there was probably a little bit less than a minute. You had Kawhi Leonard get called for the foul when he pushed off Russell Westbrook. Thunder get possession. Thunder go down on the offensive end and Pascal Siakam ends up fouling Russell Westbrook. He nails two free throws. And at that point... I just felt like the Raptors were out of sync enough that they weren't going to win. I am duly impressed with the way that the Raptors have built their team. One, they've got incredible depth coming off the bench where you don't have to shorten your rotation maybe as much as somebody like Oklahoma City does. And yeah, I think they can go toe-to-toe with the, with the Golden State Warriors. reason I think that they can go toe-to-toe with the Golden State Warriors is one, You've got a five-tool or close to a five-tool type player, or I guess in basketball it's more six tools, and we'll explain that in the third segment. And Pascal Siakam, who's hit Oklahoma City hard twice now, in 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 a couple of games, even scoring 33 in that first game. You've got Kawhi Leonard, who's a multi-dimensional player that I don't think really the the Warriors are going to have much of an answer for. Plus. When it comes to scoring, what the Raptors have proven is that you can keep them out of the paint, but one thing that they can do very successfully is hit the three. So if it turns into a scoring match with Golden State, Toronto should be able to match him. And when you've got a guy like Van Vliet that can fill in for Kyle Lowry when he's out, you're golden. That is it. That is a great team. And, and I, the Thunder, for I, look, I'm so happy that they won. But I've been so frustrated with the way that they've played over these last few games that it's hard for me to find just a ton of joy in this win over Toronto. Maybe if they can beat Memphis tonight and then Indiana on Wednesday and get into a roll, I'll be in a little bit better mood. Uh, but if you want to know how I summed up this game with the Thunder, or really not even this game, but the last few games, there was a sequence. There was just an utterly lazy Back-to-back sequence by the Oklahoma City Thunder at the end of the first half when you had Van Vliet go coast to coast for a layup in the first half. And then in the beginning of or in the at the end of the first quarter, and then at the end of the second quarter, at the beginning of the second quarter, Jeremy Lin came in and easily got to the rim. The Thunder had to overcome two 10-point deficits or two double-digit deficits in in that third quarter. And it was simply because Toronto was making life tough in the paint. They were forcing Oklahoma City to shoot a lot of threes. Oklahoma City was coming up with a lot of empty possessions. They weren't they weren't rebounding giving them out, giving themselves an opportunity to get out um, to get second chances, get second looks of the book, now the or second looks at the basket. The Thunder did do a great job though in that first half of stealing the ball and turning Toronto over and playing some transition basketball. But when they got into their half-court sets, Toronto made sure that life in the paint was tough. If the Thunder missed, Toronto was rebounding and going the other way. And, hey, down by 11 and down by 10 at the half, the Thunder kind of lucky to have this one. But a W's a W. You're in sixth place right now, ready to take on the Houston Rockets. So I guess there's really not a whole lot to complain about. This is the Locked on Thunder podcast. I am Eric G. Coming up next here on LOT, we'll talk about Billy Donovan's rotations and what we should read into it, if anything. That's next on the Locked on Thunder podcast.
2: Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it?
3: I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point.
0: Thank you for listening to the Locked on Thunder podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Make sure you listen at Himalaya. That's right. It's a brand new app. It's called Himalaya. And all you have to do is download that on your phone. They will curate playlists for you. So whatever your interests are or whatever podcast you're listening to, they'll line up listening listening. Choices for you on that particular day. Um, you can also listen on Google Podcasts and on Apple Podcasts. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I may be jumping off a ledge a little bit here, but I think it's safe to say that Billy Donovan has fallen out of love with Nerlens Noel. And Billy Donovan finally has, or not finally has. Okay, that that's 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 too much of an overstatement. But Billy Donovan has in his possession with Markeith Morris close to the type of center that Billy Donovan has been coveting for quite some time. Billy Donovan loves versatility. Markeith Morris is way more versatile than Nerlens Noel can ever be. For as athletic as Nerlens Noel is, and for a guy that can be somewhat of a rim protector, a guy that can score inside the paint, and a guy that can play you a little bit of defense. The only place you can really play Nerlens Noel is at 4 or excuse me, the 5 and you know Nerlens Noel can't hit the occasional 3. With Markeith Morris, you have a guy that can not only play the 4 but at the 5, anytime you get put up with an athletic center, Markeith Morris can defend just as well, if not a little bit better than than Nerlens Noel. He can rebound just as well as Nerlens Noel, and when you need that occasional three, Markeith Morris is a guy that can step back and has proven he can hit it, and he can be timely when he hits it. Now, all that being said, he's still inconsistent, a- and there's still not a lot of scoring there. But if you're kind of face, if you're faced with that situation where you've got to put one in or the other then right now there's just not even a choice to go with Markeith Morris. And that's, that's the way Billy Donovan rolls. Once, once a player gets in his good graces and proves that he can play defense, and because of that defense, it can be gat good offense, Billy Donovan is going to make sure that that guy finds his way onto the floor. and the And, and other guys will, unfortunately be put in a situation where they have to ride the bench. I'll also say this much for Billy Donovan. When you look at this shortened rotation that, he, that he's that he been displaying of late, just remember Billy Donovan's also a guy that will play matchups and then in a split second, if you cannot show him that you can be consistent on the defensive end of the floor, then you're not going to play. The problem is, is that there's just no depth beyond the few guys that Billy Donovan has on that bench. But with with, with Morris, Nader, Schroeder, Noel, that's it. I mean, you can't trust Patrick Patterson. He's proven that time and time again this year. You're obviously not... You obviously like Diallo, but you don't think that he's a ready-for-prime-time player. And then... When you can put Raymond Felton out there in in certain situations and you can run kind of a multi-guard lineup to give Russell Westbrook a little bit of rest, that's when Raymond Felton goes in. But you're towards the playoffs, and Raymond Felton really is not going to be a guy that, that, that helps you out all this much. Where I'm concerned about the Thunder here going forward in the playoffs is not just that lack of scoring on the bench, but you're putting an awful lot of pressure on your starters. To make sure things get done. And on Friday night, we saw Jeremy Grant foul out. And Billy Donovan, instead of going back to Morris, which he could have easily done, decided that he was gonna go with Stephen Adams on the court. He was gonna leave Schroeder, Ferguson, George, Westbrook, and then Adams. That that was sort of the that that in fact is what you call the Thunder's death lineup. And it was just for one game but i want to see how much more billy donovan does that when he's put in that situation but talking about the fouling out i mean i the thunder really on friday did a pretty good job of not fouling toronto and then jeremy grant fouls out but you talk about the mounting pressure that's being put on that starting five right now and i would say next to golden state i can't think of a starting five that has more pressure on them than the Thunder. Maybe okay. Maybe you want you want to you want to argue um, Portland. I'll give you that. I'll give you Portland, but they can't afford to foul out. I mean, you can't afford to have Jeremy Grant off the floor unless you're willing to go to that lineup. You can't afford to have Russell Westbrook off the floor too long because that ex- that is going to exhaust Dennis Schroeder. These starters have to come through because the bench isn't gonna carry because the bench just isn't gonna carry them. And right now, Billy Donovan knows that. The rest of the Thunder know that. And if they're gonna win a first round playoff series, it's really gonna be because of the starters. Well, and that's really with most NBA teams, but you're not gonna have a game. There is absolutely not a single game where if your starters go into the tank. And only two or three of them are scoring that this bench can bail you out. And that is a very scary proposition. This is the Locked on Thunder podcast. I'm Eric G. Coming up next, what Paul George should be saying to Kawhi Leonard as he gets ready to enter free agency. It's just one piece of advice, but it's a great piece of advice. And we'll talk about that next.
2: Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar.
3: Thank you for listening to the
0: Locked On Thunder Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, see, I can say that. Uh, Make sure you listen on the brand new app called Himalaya. Just download it to your phone, then ask your smart speaker to play the Locked On Thunder Podcast. Again, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can also listen on Google Podcast and Apple Podcasts. So many great places to get the Locked on Thunder podcast. Paul George just needs to give one piece of advice to Kawhi Leonard for free agency. And no, it's not come play for the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's this. Don't mess with happy. Don't try and get better than happy. If you're happy where you are, then stay put. Don't don't give up Toronto just to go to Los Angeles because you think you want to go back home or you think the Clippers have any better shot of getting you a championship than the Raptors do? Because if right now, if you like the way the team if you like the way the organization is run, if you like the city that you live in for the majority of the season and you like your chances to win a championship, then why would you leave Toronto right now if you're Kawhi Leonard? I would think you would be very happy with that team. You know, as we established earlier, that's a team that can compete with Golden State. They've got all the tools to compete with Golden State in the playoffs. Um, you know, probably one of the few teams they they can go toe to toe with Golden State scoring. I, I don't know what the what the Clippers are going to give Kawhi Leonard over these next few months. A, to get him to change his mind, or B, to make themselves any better than what they are right now. And while it sounds good, it it may turn out to be an ultimate disaster. At least with Toronto, you know what you're getting when you're Kawhi Leonard. And they made the move. They were gutsy enough to trade for you in the first place. But it just looks like, especially now, and if you're Golden State, here... Here's what you've got to be careful of if you're Kawhi. And honestly, Kevin Durant is, for the second time in his career, he is the linchpin for where all other possible free agents can end up. And he was the last time, too. And I think there were people that had wind of it, uh, like Al Horford, who knew where Kevin Durant was going to go, so therefore he had no reason to really um, be interested in Oklahoma City and you can go down the line, etc. But... If I'm Golden State right now, there's no way in hell I let Kevin Durant get out of my get out of my organization. Um, at first I thought, well, you know what, they're pretty they're pretty successful with just Steph in the lineup and not KD, but in the playoffs, KD scores more points and he has a higher shooting percentage than either Steph or Klay Thompson. He's a two-time final MVP. And if you've got Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, and Steph Curry all in the same team, then all you really need, you can get... Now, Draymond's got one year on his deal left, but I think he's an attractive enough player where you could get teams to trade for him and you could get a pretty good player in return or you could get draft picks in return. But the only thing you really need if you've got those three guys is just somebody to rebound. You need somebody to rebound and give you a few points in the paint and then somebody who's like Andre Robertson who you don't really need to score in the starting five, you just need them to play defense. And it seems to me that that would be the same thing for Golden State to do which would cause misery for the rest of us here in the Western Conference and if Golden State decides to do that, there probably isn't anybody that Kawhi could team up with in the in Los Angeles to give you a shot to beat them. You got a much better chance of doing that um in Toronto. And speaking of Toronto, Pascal, Pascal Siakam, just so impressive over these last couple of days. He's what I I I call him the six-tool player. Because in basketball, it's six-tools. I've devised it. It's shoot from distance. He can do that. Shoot from mid-range. He can do that. He can play close to the basket, which obviously includes rebounding and scoring. He can defend and he can handle. And the really, when you think about it, as talented as dudes are in the NBA, there aren't that many guys. That fall into that category. Paul George falls into that category. I can't put Russell Westbrook in that category because he doesn't shoot all that well for mid range, and his three, even though his his three percent, even though his field goals from three are getting better, he's still not consistent enough to do it. Um, I could put Giannis in this category, and he's working on his three point shooting. I don't know if I could put KD in that category because I don't think he plays close enough to the basket. And this is. I mean, you talk about the all-around versatile players. These are the kind of guys you need on your team to win a championship, and I'm still scratching my head over how Pascal Siakam spent any college time at Las Cruces, New Mexico, because that guy was a bona fide Power 5 player. Look, if he can do this in the NBA, he certainly could have played for your Power 5 school. Uh, This is the Locked on Thunder podcast. I am Eric G. We'll be back tomorrow. To wrap up the Memphis game, talk about it, look ahead to Portland, or not Portland, but uh, Indiana Pacers. So we'll get all that taken care of tomorrow here on the Locked On Thunder podcast. And until tomorrow, may God bless you and your family. Everybody love everybody, and peace, love, and thunder up. You
2: are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.